broadcasting live high atop the Sunset Strip, deep in the heart of Tinseltown. It's the Eat of Rocks Radio Show. Welcome and thanks for listening to the show. We were able to catch up with Brian Bird just before the launch of season six of the TV show When Calls the Heart, which airs on the Hallmark Channel on Sunday nights. And we're going to be talking the value of family-friendly programming. And is there still a market for this kind of television? We are also going to be showcasing When Calls the Heart, a show that is not only suitable for the entire family, but a show that has become a huge hit with a group of hardcore followers known as the Hardys. Brian Bird is the executive producer and co-creator of the Hallmark Channel hit TV show, When Calls the Heart. He's also a producer and screenwriter for the movie Case for Christ, a movie based on the life of Lee Strobel, as well as co-founder for Believe Pictures with Michael Landon Jr. And uh, Brian, thanks for joining us here today. Hey, thanks, Son. Great to be with you. Now, When Calls the Heart, I think we're going into season six now. Um, when you created this show right. and when the idea of the show came about, did you think it would be this successful? No, you know what? Uh, it's just been an amazing run for us. And, and no, we, we didn't, you know, have any idea. I mean, uh, obviously you hope uh, when you create a, a new television show that it's going to find an audience and catch fire. Uh, but you're, you're so, it's so crazy busy trying to just make a good, you know, makes the best show you can. Um, you know, you just hope that when you put it out there that people will find it. And uh, it's pretty challenging to do in this, you know, media landscape because there's just so many, you know, there's so much competition out there. I mean, uh, I think last year there were 400 scripted TV shows on, you know, across the, the broadcast and cable spectrum. And, that is only increasing. I mean, Netflix is talking about making a thousand TV shows for their platform. So, you know, when you have that much content out there, it's really challenging to break through sort of all the noise and, and find an audience. And, um, you know, there's not often uh, in today's, you know, TV business, uh, there's not often a major, uh, a giant marketing budget. And so you just have to hope that you, you know, find an audience and that you can kind of get a grassroots campaign going for yourself. And that's what happened with One Calls the Heart. We were, we, you know, it's been a great blessing, but we were just sort of blown away by uh, the fans that, that found the show in season one and reached out to us and began talking to us across social media. And, you know, we were, we just had the, good you know the, the the good sense to talk back i think that was the you know that was the big key for us uh but it's been really cool and and such a blessing and we you know season six starts uh sunday this coming sunday night february 24th and uh uh we we're just you know just amazed by the fact that the audience keep for this show keeps growing and um, I think the fact that it's also the first five seasons are on Netflix now uh, has really added to sort of the the, the mojo uh, for this show. It's it's uh, we hear all the time that it's you know it's just become very binge worthy for people. And so uh, our Christmas movie that 
basically launched season six uh, back on Christmas night a couple months ago, you know, was seen by about 5 million people. And there are shows on some of the big networks that, that struggle to, to get an audience of 5 million people. So we feel pretty, pretty darn good about where we're at. And, you know, we think, you know, this could keep going for a while. Yeah, we just came off a holiday weekend, so I would imagine, especially with cold temperatures across the country, a lot of people might have spent time indoors, maybe getting caught up on what's going to be coming up, uh, getting ready for season six. Hallmark Channel. Yeah, a lot of binging, you know. binging going on right now, right? Yeah, with the, with the Hallmark Channel, I know a lot of times, uh, especially for people that might not watch Hallmark Channel and might not be familiar with it, it has a huge Christmas uh, notoriety, you know, the Hallmark Channel TV movies for Christmas and so forth. Do you think that having right. it on the Hallmark Channel uh, obviously has c- contributed to the success of the program? There's no doubt about that. And, and you know, uh, we're not rocket scientists here. <laughs> you know, we think we know we have a we you know, we've been doing this a long time. And so we have a good idea about what we're doing. But, you know, the, the reality is that uh, across the across the TV dial, if all you see is zombies and vampires and crystal meth dealers and dead body shows, and there's so much that's out there that's cynical, you know, when if you just do something different than that, chances are you're gonna you're gonna find you know an audience. And I think in our case. You know, we, we kind of, in, in a very weird way, uh, When Calls the Heart and some of the programming that Hallmark does, their, their countdown to Christmas, you know, uh, extravaganza goes on for a couple of months. And they own, you know, the cable channels now at Christmas time. I mean, it's just it's just unbelievable, the sort of the growth that they've gone through. So, yes, being on the Hallmark channel has been a great boon, you know, for our show. But. I think it's also about the fact that we're just different than everybody else. This one calls the heart is actually a show that you can watch with your whole family in a room. And I don't think too many people can name five other shows that you can do that with, you know, that, you know, that are scripted television shows. Yeah. There are a lot of reality shows you can do that with and game shows, but not scripted programming. And in a weird way, we're kind of revolutionary you know, in, in the, in the way that we are counter programming against all of this very dark content. And I think there's a giant underserved audience for family friendly and faith friendly kind of programming. Uh, there's nobody making it anymore. And so that, that giant audience is hungry and the math is not really complicated. If you give food to hungry people, they will love you <laughs> for, for doing that. So it's not that much more complicated than that. And I think we were just so we had good timing on this. I think we were fortunate to come along at a time when the rest of the industry has had collective amnesia about how to make this kind of programming. And we, we haven't, you know, this is what I've been doing for 30 years. It's sort of what I know how to do. And uh, so, you know, I think that it's sort of a a confluence of being on uh, a network like the Hallmark Channel uh, that 
is catering. You know, they their goal is to cater to families and to people that want family friendly content. And there's not too many others out there that are doing that. Brian Bird, the executive producer and co-creator of When Calls the Heart, is joining us. And you mentioned you mentioned uh, programming, family-friendly programming. I, I believe it was on your website, uh, a blog about taking Hollywood to the woodshed and uh, bas- basically <laughs> talking about how, like, non-family-friendly television has gotten to the point of, like you said, it's zombies, it's, you know, meth dealers, it's all this kind of negativity, non-family-friendly stuff. Um, and some people say, I think in the, the blog it mentioned or the article it mentioned, that some people are just creating shows that are reflecting the demand. Uh, they're deflecting what society right. wants. But yet here you have this show that's family friendly, probably, you know, like you mentioned, mentioned five shows. This is obviously one of them that would fit that criteria when calls the heart. Um, you were also involved in the past with Touch by an Angel and some other family friendly programmings. So is it is it a cop out that Hollywood is saying that we need to give into the supply and demand of this type of unfriendly family programming and uh, and stay adult focused? Or is it like you said, is it just underserved and there's nothing and people aren't giving it? Yeah, I I think it's a I think it's a marketplace forces. I don't think there's a giant conspiracy to, to destroy the family by any means. I mean. It's a conspiracy to make money. And I think that the, the networks and the, the, the big cable companies and so forth, uh, you know, sort of felt like the best way to get an edge over their competitors was to be edgier. I, I really do. You know, if you, if you think of it as, if you think of the, the media sort of business as a giant pie, right? Well, in the old days, it was four or five slices. Right. There were five big networks and, you know, they were sort of, you know, the, the biggest, you know, powerhouses in media and they comp- competed with each other. Uh, but now the slices are much smaller and there's a bunch of slices. Right. Mm-hmm. So there there are, you know, probably a 100 original programmers now. So if you divide that big media pie up into a 100 slices, well, how do you steal market share from your neighbor, you know, from the, the slice next to you? I, I think that th- in their mind, you know, the programmers are saying that the only way we can steal marketplace, uh, or I mean the market share away from our competitors is by being louder and noisier and more sensational than the next guy. Well, look, if everybody does that, then it's just, the whole thing is going over a cliff into sort of into cynicism and and dark kind of edgy programming. And that's, you know, that's the marketplace at work, right? Well, but here's the thing. Yes. If you hand out, if you hand out um, illicit substances on a street corner, you're going to create more addicts. I really believe that, right? If you, if you cater to people's basis desires, you're going to create more demand for that. I'm not denying that there's not, you know, demand for some of that edgier programming. In fact, some of it is, it is quite well done. You know, I, I'm not saying that, you know, we have to eliminate all those other programs. All I'm saying is how about some balance? Right. And when nobody else is offering that kind of programming and you do, I mean, in terms of more family-friendly programming, uh, programming that's not going to ambush 
people's values in their own homes. Uh, last time I checked, there's a lot of people cutting their cords, right? Yeah, and that's market true. share at the big networks is declining. And yet, in the past several years, market share for the Hallmark Channel has grown double digit every year. So, you know, I'm not, this is just math that I'm talking about right now. And um, my feeling is that when you have a lot of families who can't find content that doesn't ambush their values and they cut the cords and they go and they go to a la carte services where they get to decide everything uh, or they go straight to, you know, uh, watching content that they trend, that they buy, that they transact on an individual basis. Like in the old days, it was a DVD collection. And before that, it was a, it was a, it was a video cassette collection. People would buy the movies that they would want to watch over and over again because they felt they were safe to have. Well, here's the thing. If, if people are cutting their cords and the big networks are losing market share, uh, the way to to get some of those folks back is to give them content that doesn't ambush their values. And that's what we're doing. We're giving people content that, you know, delivers, you know, hope and faith and love to them on a, uh, you know, every time they turn their TVs on. And, uh, you know, look, uh, it's not it's not sexy. It's not that popular to give them that kind of programming. I've I got my hand in the air right now. I'll do it. Let Mikey eat it. I'll do it. I'm happy to make that kind of programming. I'm happy to wear that as a badge of honor because I know there's a demand for it and there's a big audience that is hungry for it. So then what's your process? You guys are coming up on this new season. We're talking with Brian Bird, who is the executive producer and co-creator uh, well, when calls the heart, the TV show on the Hallmark Channel. So, when you guys are looking for the upcoming season to create a new season, new episodes, and things like that, obviously there's an intent to provide this type of programming. But, but how does it come together? Are you guys sitting there trying to come up with ideas that you think are going to fit, um, you know, the, the the values of the of the viewer? Um, you guys already kind of have an idea of what you want to do, and you just have to try to make it fit this uh, narrative. How how does that process work out? Well, look, we know we know where the lines are for our audience. I'm not going to I'm not going to tell other people, you know, where their lines should be. But I do know where the lines are for our audience. And when the show continues to grow year after year, that's not a small little island of people. That's actually a pretty big swath of the of the culture is hungry for this kind of programming. So I know we know where the lines are. We know what how far we can push them and where, you know, where we can't take them. And we don't want to ambush people. We want to give people a sense of, uh, uh, you know, uh, life and faith affirming kinds of, of content and get them to a hopeful place. Now for one calls the heart, it's based on a, a, a beloved franchise of books by Jeanette Oak, who you know, uh, wrote a series when wrote the, the a series of books, the one called the heart series of books. And so we, we have at the core of our sort of ideology for this show, you know, is those books. We're not going to trample on 
the people that love those books. And she has 30 million readers out there. Uh, so we're not going to trample on their values. We're going to stay c- consistent with the themes and the, the spiritual values of, you know, her books. But there's a lot of people that haven't read her who watch our show, too. And what they love is that the show harkens back to a more innocent time and a less cynical time. And the the fictional town of Hope Valley, which is what, you know, it's a, it's a set in 1915 this year, uh, it, you know, it started in 1910. And so every season we kind of advance a year in, in history. Uh, but uh, th- th- our town is a place that we hear from fans all the time. We wish we could go live there. <laughs> yeah. We wish there was such a place still in existence because it's the the town is one of the stars of the of the show, in my opinion. And it's a town that hearkens to some of the great virtues of Western civilization, you know. You know, honesty and courage and 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 uh, and redemption and forgiveness and in community sacrificing for one another and helping each other out in hard times. You know, those great virtues that come out of well, come out of the Bible and they come out of you know many of the great world religions have similar virtues. So we're hearkening back to a time when people actually you know would lift a finger for their neighbor and cared about what happened to their neighbor. And I actually think that there's millions, tens of billions of people in, in our culture that still feel that way. Right. Yes. Um, but if the rest of the entertainment content doesn't reflect those, those virtues and those values, well, you leave these people starving to death for them. And so we are taking them to a place that, that, where they see themselves on display, they see the, they see what they believe on the on the TV screen, and and we affirm them, right? They they can they can see see themselves in a way on camera. Uh, I also think that you know it's a town uh, where women have had to take take sort of have had to take the reins of of you know of power in their town because. Uh, you know, the show was set in a town where a whole bunch of the men were killed in a co- in a in a coal mining accident. That's sort of the premise of the show. And so women had to fend for themselves. And historically, you know, women have had to take the mantle of leadership when the men weren't around, when men, you know, were either gone or died or, or off to war or whatever. And so I think a lot of the, the viewers of our show love that they see, you know, women who are empowered to try to do good and empowered to try to, to make their community better. And I think that they, I think that there's a lot of uh, aspirational uh, aspects and, uh, and interest in that kind of, those kind of characters uh, among the audience. Well, I think too, you know, in Hollywood, People tend to believe there's a Hollywood elitist, you know, a liberal leaning machine putting out things like you mentioned about earlier with the uh, with the zombies and things like that. 
But there really is a, a big swath of the country that still has what they call the Midwest values. And this show right here still fits into that. So when people are looking for entertainment, which to a lot of people becomes an escape from you know what they're doing or just a downtime or you know to get away from day-to-day life, you're, got, you're getting a show here that is reflecting those values like you mentioned, but it's also something that is going to kind of enrich you and make you feel better after watching it. Maybe not because of a message that you're getting, but because of what you're watching. Kind of like what you see and you take in is what you're going to produce and put out right. there. And that's what this is kind of doing. It's right. kind of feeding that value system that a lot of the people in the, across the country still have. And, and, they, and it fits them right. and it makes them feel good. We hear from a lot of our, our fans who, who actually have a name for themselves. I don't know if you, if you knew this, but uh, the show is called When Calls the Heart. And our fans self-identify as Hardys, right? Hardys. And they are Trekkies on steroids. Okay. I have to tell you, they are so rabid about this show. And we've, we've identified on social media at least half a million who would call themselves Hardys. Wow. You know, which is phenomenal for a little show that could, is what we sort of always thought of of the show as but it's a it's a pure grassroots you know development that that grew up around our show a grassroots movement and so we hear from you know hardy's all the time uh that uh that we're giving them content that they watch over and over again with their kids because it gives them an opportunity to have conversations with their kids about what they're watching and really have some life lessons about what they're watching. And, you know, that's honest, you know, obviously a big compliment to us that we are very gratified by. But what it taught, what it's told, taught me is that uh, these folks want to have conversation about the show. Right. Not only on social media, but with their own families. And so that's why, uh, you know, one of the new things that we we we've come up with is a devotional uh, based on the show uh, where it's called When God Calls the Heart. And what we do in the devotionals is we identify um, sort of the God moments, you know, in the show, the, the, the or the great virtue moments in the show that can become teachable, you know, moments for families and their kids. And not just for old folks, but for teenagers and for young and for millennials. We're, we're sort of stunned at the millennials who show up and, and tell us that they love our show, too. And um, so these, these devotionals are called When God Calls the Heart, uh, devotions from Hope Valley, and we use the God moments in the show, in the episodes, as sort of a, a jumping off point for a deeper conversation uh, that families can sit around and have together. So, and that that honestly grew I, that the need for something like this grew out of this this felt need that I was hearing uh, from the fans saying. We want we watch the show over and over again so we can have conversation with our kids. And so we thought, okay, well, let's give them more content. Let's take the conversation deeper and richer. And so that's that's you know that's been the the um, 
that's sort of the reason behind these new devotionals that we've published. Uh, there's three of them now. When God Calls the Heart, uh, and When God Calls the Heart at Christmas, and then one that's, uh, that's the theme is love, all of the love moments in the show, and that's When God Calls the Heart to Love, and that's the newest one that just came out. So the devotional book kind of came after the success of the show. So when you're when you're oh, yeah. so when you're writing shows and stuff, you're just taking the devotional book straight from the uh, from the show. Now, if somebody wasn't familiar with the show but they were interested in the devotional, do you have to watch the show to be involved in the devotion? Is it kind of tied together, or could be not could at the, all? Yeah, okay. Yeah, no, the, the devotionals will stand alone beautifully for for people. But I have a feeling that if they if they come through the portal of the devotional, they're going to end up in Hope Valley watching mm-hmm. the show. Right. Uh, given given that the first five seasons of the show uh, are on Netflix now, you know, people around the world are starting to watch the show and binging on it. And, you know, I think that's the reason why this whole thing is, is just seems to be hitting uh, an even bigger tipping point now, uh, even in season six, as we launch season six. Brian Bird is the executive producer and co-creator of When Calls the Heart, the TV show on Hallmark Channel. Season 6 is six is upcoming. Uh, season 6 upcoming this year. In fact, uh, you said it's starting uh, Sunday night. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, this, Sunday the 24th of 24th, February. Yeah. Uh, for 10, yeah, for a ten, 10 new episodes wow. uh, coming starting the, Sunday night. The reason why I asked about the devotionals compared to the uh, TV show is because you mentioned that you've got a wide range of people watching from millennials who seem to be disconnected with everything and have their own way of doing things to, you know, maybe some older people that reminds them maybe of a, a childhood they once had. Um, that's got to be pretty impressive and really state a lot about the show when you're reaching a broad audience like that, including, you know, the uh, younger millennial type people. Yeah. It, you know, honestly, again, I, I'm just humbled, humbled by the success of this, of this whole project. I had no, Michael Landon and I had no idea that it was going to blow up the way it did. And so we're, we just, you know, we're very humble about it and just say, okay, well, we got to continue to just do our best work for these fans because they, they're, they are so hungry for this show that we got to continue to give them good food uh, and make it not only, you know, uh, nutritious, but also tasty, <laughs> right? Sure, yeah, uh, absolutely. It's soul, it's soul food. We want to give them soul food, but we want it to be entertaining as well. And so, you know, the neat thing about the show is that it's got so so many so so many beloved characters in it uh, now after six you know six seasons that there's lots of humor. There's lots of you know, I I my goal is that. You know, every episode needs to have a good cry in it, but also some good laughs in it to, to sort of lift the soul. And we we really do want to just stir up great soul cravings with this with this show that gets people talking around water coolers. And uh, we're seeing that as well, because the this Hardy's community, uh, there's a huge presence on Facebook. There's a huge presence on Instagram. There's a huge presence on Twitter. Actually, Sunday night when our, our season premiere episode launches uh, Sunday night, we will trend. I have no doubt that we will be trending on Twitter nationally. Wow. The Hardys w- will be trending for the show because we have for the last 
several seasons, every show night, we get into the top 10 on the national trending list on Twitter. So it's, it's, yes, it's, it's become a social media phenomenon, but it, but what it also is, is something that I, I, that I actually feel more gratified about than even the show itself. And that's that this Hardy's community is, is creating community. They really are. There, weekly, there are Hardy's parties around the country where fans of the show get together and they, they bring food and they, they, they uh, decorate their homes uh, in these venues where they have these parties like the sets of the show. Oh, wow. And they, some of them even dress up in some of the period costumes. But, but it's not just about, it's not like a Trekkie convention. It's, it's more, it's friendship, right? It's right. almost church in a, in a weird way. It's church. And people are getting together. There's prayer chains that they have with each other. You know, where they're, where they're, you know, if somebody gets sick, somebody's getting a meal. They're, they're, they're basically invoking the values that they see on the show, demonstrated on the show, and they're actually living them out in their real lives. And those friendships, to me, will live beyond the show. Who knows how long the show will go? But the big legacy of When Calls the Heart, to me, is those friendships out there. And, and they're everywhere. There's groups in in foreign countries. There's you know, there's there's a there's a French group of Hardies that gets together. The back early in the life of the show, the German Hardies, they couldn't get the show uh, broadcast there. Right, it had not had had not come to Germany yet. They were all gathering around a laptop and watching it because somebody had a, like a U.S. iTunes account or an Amazon account. And there were a cluster of people at the airport in Frankfurt, Germany, gathered around a laptop watching the show the next day after it aired in the U.S. And we, we're hearing these stories, right, from around the world now. And with the expansion of Netflix uh, with the show, it's now in, I think, 30 countries now. Uh, Netflix has taken the show into 30 countries, and it, that could even be more. I haven't heard the latest statistics, but we, we are hearing from Hardys everywhere now, and they find, you know, they find the kind of the watering holes uh, on on social media, and they gather there and they sit and they talk from all over the world about, you know, about the show. So, to me. I could tell you, I had a very happy man just knowing that, that right. we had made a show that had created community, you know, like that. That's way more important than the show itself. It really is mind-blowing to think about the reach. But I have to ask you this. We're talking with Brian Bird, the executive producer and co-creator of When Calls the Heart, uh, the TV show on the Hallmark Channel, uh, ending its sixth season, sixth season. But I ask you this. you got a show here, and, and you've got the devotional along with it. This can't be something that you're just creating uh, and writing on a script and, and kind of dreaming up, you know, based on the books. This has to be something that's a little bit more personal to you. Uh, can you share with us uh, your faith and, and what it means to you? I, I, I can. You know, I'm a, I, I am a, uh, the, the grandson and the son of pastors <laughs> in my life. I grew up in church. Uh, church has always been 
an important thing to me. Um, my personal faith as a Christian has always been important to me. And my goal is not to pound people over the head with what I believe. I, I want to create content that just gets them asking questions. You know, that's all. Just, just talk about some of the big issues in their lives and, you know, and, and what their purpose is in life and what their, what, what makes life worthwhile and meaningful to them. Because honestly, I, I believe, you know, in my faith, I believe in God. I believe in, in, in the power of, of the Christian story and, and, and Christ's sacrifice, you know, for mankind. Uh, I believe in all of that with all my heart. You know, it's not my goal to preach at people, but what I do want to do is I do want to ask them great questions that get them talking. And if if nothing else, create some friendships where people can share their own journeys and their own stories with one another. And so my whole career, honestly, uh, has been sort of based around that. I Very early in my career, I had sort of a deep soul impression. You know, I was reading a book called Halftime years ago. And one of the questions in the book um, was, what do you want your your tombstone to say? <laughs> What's the one line that you want your tombstone to say about who you were on the in on this planet? And you know, I I when I read that I thought, okay, well, I haven't really identified what that is and I and I I got this sort of deep soul impression. And the line that I hope will end up on my gravestone someday hopefully a long time from now <laughs> right, right. is um, his words moved men closer to God. And I, if that's my legacy, if that's how I'm remembered, if I'm remembered for shows like touched by an angel, which I was honored to be part of for movies like the case for Christ and captive and not easily broken and, and others that I'm working on. If I'm remembered for when calls the heart, um, I hope that all boils down to that headline, his words moved men closer to God, because I do believe that we all have a God-shaped void that we're all trying to, trying to fill in some ways. Even people who don't believe in God, they still are trying to fill their, this hole up inside them, in their soul, with meaning. They need meaning. They need to know that they that they matter, that they're important, that what their lives stand for makes a difference in this world. And I I personally think that's they're just trying to fill the God hole inside them, you know. And so if I can point people closer to that and get them talking with one another, uh, to me then then I will have fulfilled my purpose on this planet. And so that's my passion, that's my purpose, that's what I'm supposed to do. And I have found a way to make that work in Hollywood. Uh, you know, I, uh, it, you know, people sometimes, you know, even in my church, you know, setting will ask me, they'll say, well, how do you, you know, how do you survive Hollywood? It's such a sort of shark tank, you know, <laughs> so damn of, you know, lion's den. And I, and I, you know, honestly, I've never really felt oppression for who I am. I, 
because I love people. I care about my neighbor. I, my coworkers, I love them. I'm friends with them. I, I care, you know, no matter what they believe, my, my faith is such that I'm supposed to love them no matter what. So I, I will be their friend forever unconditionally. Well, you know, personally, that's what, that's how we're supposed to, supposed to live in the world. And so that's how I roll, you know, in my, in my life. And I have found a way to, to make a living in a business where, you know, yes, there are a lot of other kind of darker themed subjects that are being, being made, but, uh, you know, there's a giant audience that, that really thrives on, on what I do too. And, uh, and for people who are, you know, who are all about the money, uh, you know, for them, it's a money proposition. You know, it's not a conspiracy to destroy the family in Hollywood. It's a conspiracy to make money just like it is at IBM or GM or, you know, wherever, you know, it's a conspiracy to make money. And so if I can make money for those people by doing the kind of content that I know there's an audience for, uh, we have no problem there. Uh, every, every, everybody's happy to, you know, to, to, to be part of that equation. And so uh, I've, I've, you know, uh, for 30 years, I've been able to figure this out and, and, and have a career in this, in this space. Um, and, you know, People the great, seem to you know want to want to continue that with me. Sure, we know the Great Commission. You know, God calls us to go into all the world, and and oftentimes we don't think that our own backyard is the world. And so, even as you kind of take the approach of attracting viewers, you might also be affecting people to a certain degree in Hollywood with this type of programming, this type of message. Someone might see this. They might not be for it right now, but it might be planting seeds down the road that are going to pay off. And so you just never know, especially in the world of Hollywood, who might be affected by this, and you may never know. So, right. you know, you've got that going too. Right. That's uh, true. Well, you know, Rick, uh, Rick Warren of Saddleback Church was my pastor for 20 years when I was in, living in California. And he, uh, he, you know, he famously wrote the, the Purpose Driven Life, which I think sold 40 million copies. And he, um, he told me one time, he said, Brian, if all you do in your work is just ask great questions, you will drive people to the door of my church. And I'll do the rest. <laughs> yeah. But what you're doing is, is huge. Uh, it, what we do in the media space, what you've been doing in your career, son, you know, what we do is huge. We ask questions. That's the best use of media, to ask questions that stir up cravings in people's souls. And uh, that's a huge part of, of because, uh, because, as you said, sowing seeds. Well, maybe the seed sower doesn't actually get to... to to bring the harvest in himself. But without it, the soil is barren. There's nothing growing without those seeds being sowed. And so, you know, I, I do believe that in that the media conversation is the loudest conversation in the universe. It's sadly louder than the church is having. So if people of faith don't be if we're not part of the big conversation, that doesn't mean that big conversation is going to stop. It's actually going to go on with, with or without us. True. 
So if we want to have if we want to have some influence in the culture, we better be part of the big media conversation. And so that's my personal commitment. I that's what I'm supposed to do, and that's what I'll continue to do. Yeah, I'd have to agree with you on that completely. So I'm I'm curious. Uh, so with uh, with your faith and your beliefs and your convictions and the shows you've been doing. So I'm just kind of curious when, when it comes to selecting projects, how, how do you go about doing that? Because I'm sure that, uh, like you said, you know, it's, it's probably not the easiest of uh, genres to be a part of and getting something going. And with when calls to the heart, you didn't know it was going to be this successful. You hope, but you don't know. So from the creative uh, side, if, if there is somebody that, you know, no. is, is on that, how, how do you go about selecting projects? Well, I, you know, I mean, there's, it's a, it's always a tricky, it's always a tricky proposition. I, you know, one, personally, uh, I, I have two, um, you know, two criterion. Do, do I love the story? Does the story, whether it's a true story or a novel or, you know, even if it's pure fiction, does the story light up my life? Does the story make me cry? Does the story capture me emotionally and if that story does then i want in on that right that's one criterion if in my from my perspective if it also moves people closer to god in some way then that's my other test and you have to be in this business it's a very competitive business obviously it's a very challenging business to to stay successful in but um if if you so for me if I have those two criterion covered, I say yes. Now I don't know where those projects are going to go, right? I don't know where. I didn't know where when calls the heart was going to where where it was going to go when we first started building that. Had no idea. I didn't know where the case for Christ was gonna, was going to go. I'm pretty sure Mel Gibson didn't know where the passion of the Christ was going to go when he got involved in that, right? You say yes to the things that you're supposed to say yes to, and then you don't worry about the rest. Mm-hmm. It, it, will, it, will, it will figure itself out. There's a verse in Scripture that says, cast your bread upon the water, for when you are old, it will come back to you. I cast my bread on the water all day long. <laughs> I, I, my breadcrumbs go on the water, and I that's... That's you have to be a yes person. You can't be a no but person. You have to be a yes and person to work in this business. That doesn't mean every project is going to pan out. You know, doesn't mean every project is going to work or be successful. But if you if you can if they meet the if they meet those personal criterion for you and you say yes to them, then you just pursue them and you let God sort the rest mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. That's honestly how I've been able to survive in this business. One final question here as we wrap up. I know we've taken a bit of your time and really appreciate it, but it's been just fascinating listening to you and, and the 30 years you've been in the business and the, the successes that you've had. But um, you, you've teamed up with uh, Michael Landon, the son of the late actor Michael Landon, who was uh, – you know, best known for his roles in Bonanza, Little House on the Prairie, Highway to Heaven. You talk about, you know, mention five shows today that are family friendly. I think those three would be considered family friendly when they were <laughs> when they were running. But ha- having someone right. like him, you know, kind of being in the fold with you, 
uh, creating things, his dad uh, and the shows that they had. Is, is it kind of nice to be able to have people in the business that are like-minded, that are coming from a, a similar place with programming and things like that, to be able to collaborate with and to do things with? Uh, absolutely. You know, it's a very tough business to be successful at, and so al- alliances are huge to the process. You know, I, I often say, you know, it takes, you know, it takes a village to make a movie, <laughs> right, yeah. or a TV show. It does take a village. It takes 150 people to get a project, you know, finished and delivered uh, to, to a distributor. So it takes a village. You need to be a, have alliances with people who care about the same things that you do. I'm not saying that everybody has to have the same mojo going, you know, but if they care about the project and they care about the sort of the values that you care about, uh, on a broad sense, then you're going to be able to do, you know, you're going to be able to survive it much better. Lone wolves are, you know, end up being depressed and, de- and uh, disillusioned and in many ways delusional <laughs> mm-hmm. when, they, when they try to do everything themselves. And so I, I firmly believe in, in having allies. I don't think there's any way to do to to get through this level of work and i i don't think it probably it works in any business right. to not have some kind of out alliances so uh yeah michael and i have had a, a great run together on this show and we're brothers uh in our faith but also brothers in arms as we as we do this work and uh great great man and uh he obviously brings an amazing personal legacy to the table as well, being the namesake, you know, of, of a man who is considered to have been one of the biggest television stars in history, but also uh, a man who delivered content to families that, uh, that reinforced their values. That was what he was all about all those years. Any, uh, projects on the horizon coming up or are you just still in, uh, invested in when calls the heart oh there's always new things coming uh so in uh, in 2019 this year we have a spin-off series coming from when calls the heart the success of when calls the heart has uh given birth to a spin-off series that's going to be called when hope calls and that is in uh, in the writing phases right now, and we'll be filming later this spring, and will be uh, actually broadcast on Hallmark's own subscription platform. Oh wow! So they have they have their own streaming platform called Hallmark Movies Now, and so our new show When Hope Calls will be coming on us exclusively on that pl- platform. You know, for them, it's you know it's their the, it's sort of uh, their first original series that will be on their platform. And so we're excited about that. And I have another television show, which uh, we will hopefully be able to announce uh, soon that is coming, uh, uh, you know, later this year as well. So a um, couple of, couple of new TV shows along with uh, several movies that I'm, that I've also uh have written scripts on. So um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, including a sequel to The Case for Christ called The Case for Miracles. 
Okay. Uh, based on Lee Strobel's newest book. Well, if the uh, if there's anything that uh, if uh, if Case for Christ is any indication, I'm sure the Case for Miracles is going to be just as great as that uh, that movie. Uh, Brian, thanks so much. Oh, we're excited. Yeah, thanks so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. It's, it's, it's exciting to hear the stuff that you've got going on, the success you're having with the type of content you're having and, and uh, the message that's getting out there. We really appreciate it. So, again, When Calls the Heart, Season 6, Hallmark Channel. I guess it depends on what cable network, et cetera, you have. Um, find the channel, but definitely worth watching. The devotional as well as out. And so, uh, Brian, again, uh, social media, anything like that that people can follow you on or like the Hardys, if there wants to be yeah. a new, new Hardys, where's, where's social media? Yes, absolutely. So they can find me personally on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, Brian Bird. I have a public, uh, uh, a public figure page on, on, on Facebook and uh, on uh, Instagram and Twitter. I am at BR Bird. BR Bird is my handle there. And then uh, if they want to find, if they if they love the show, When Calls the Heart, and they want to be part of sort of the Hardy's, the Hardy's Army is what they call themselves, um, they can find the, uh, the Hardy's official fans of When Calls the Heart uh, on, on Facebook. That's the big sort of watering hole on Facebook for them. So plenty, plenty of uh, places to, to find you, to find uh, show content and, and kind of, you know, on Twitter during the, uh, during the show itself. So it sounds like it's really taken on a world of its own. Uh, Brian, thanks again so yeah. much. We appreciate your time and we look forward to the, uh, to the success of the, of the season, the new season and future projects that you put out. Thanks, Sam. Great to be with you. You bet. Brian Bird there, the executive producer and co-creator of the Hallmark Channel hit TV show, When Calls the Heart. And you can catch When Calls the Heart Sunday nights on the Hallmark Channel. Check local listings for details. Special thanks to Brian Bird for joining us here on the program. If you missed any part of this interview, you can hear it again on Monday and Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Pacific time right here. Thanks for listening, and do tell a friend. Until next time, you have yourself a very good night.